0: The Seahawks will wrap up their preseason in Dallas tomorrow against the Cowboys. What should you be watching for at Jerry World? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it down in our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Thursday episode, my co host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've got a preseason finale coming up tomorrow for the Seahawks in Dallas, facing off against the Cowboys. We're going to be breaking down what to watch in that preseason finale, taking a look at just how far along this year's rookie class already is, heading towards the end of the preseason, and much more. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at bright.com forward slash locked on. That's bright.com forward slash locked on. On now, for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's been a challenging training camp for D. Eskridge, the former second round pick, has been on the sideline for almost the entirety of training camp. Did not play in the first two preseason games due to a hamstring injury that he suffered 10 minutes into the first training camp practice last month. We're finally going to get to see D. Eskridge on the field, though, Nick. He has been cleared, ready to go. He is going to suit up, and Pete Carroll is expecting that he's going to play quite a few snaps tomorrow night against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think of all the players that are going to be on the field tomorrow, he's not in jeopardy to make this roster. But this is still a very important game for him with all the time he's missed dating back to last season as
1: well. Yeah. I mean, it's the pressure's on for sure. Um, Just being a second round pick last year and, and really being kind of a non-factor the, the pressure is absolutely on as a second year guy. And, and I know you and Rob were talking early on, um, I think it was earlier this week about how he's kind of been a benefactor of how no one has really jumped and and secured that third receiver spot yet. Um, No, no one's really taken a hold of that by the horns. Um, and now this is his chance to kind of follow up and, and do that himself. And this, so this is a great opportunity for him. I know, you know it comes with a bit of an asterisk. It all does with this with this preseason game with Dallas sitting most, if not all, of their starters in, in the third preseason game. So it's really going to be tough to get a clear, true look at some of these guys. We'll talk about that later with the quarterback battle. But uh, yeah, Dwayne Esprich, it's just good to see him on the field. It's good. It's good that he's going to get live reps. You know, the bullets are going to be flying, so to speak. And he's going to be right in there, finally. And we're finally going to see what, what he can do and, and get him back in the field and getting and just help him get his sea legs back under him in the NFL. And just in time, hopefully, for week one, September 12th, kind of a big game there. So um, the Seahawks are going to need him to, to, to deepen this receiver room because no one else has really stepped up to this point.
0: Yeah, that's really been the big key. As you mentioned, Rob and I broke this down earlier in the week. He was a beneficiary sitting out because nobody else really sees that opportunity last week in Chicago felt like every receiver had at least one drop in that football game and they weren't helping out the quarterbacks. There were drops on special teams from some of these guys. And I think that's the other thing needs to be mentioned here. This is a big deal for D Eskridge on offense because the Seahawks need that third receiver. that can step up and he's the most talented third receiver they have on their roster. If he can just stay healthy, but also There's an open competition at kick and punt returner, and we have not got to see where he fits into that. Pete Carroll made it sound like after the walkthrough today that he is going to potentially get an opportunity tomorrow to at least return punts or kicks, maybe get involved in both. And so that's just another way that he can use his 4-3 speed, his tackle-breaking ability to help this football team. It's just really boiled down to availability. If you can keep him on the field – he has shown flashes last year at that big game against the 49ers. So this is a big stepping stone for him. I don't know how much they'll play him. Maybe he plays in the first quarter, into the second quarter. He is coming up with a hamstring injury, so you don't want to force the issue. But they're going to take it about as far as they can while towing the line just to get him some reps so he's ready for the regular season. I'm curious to see what he looks like on offense and special teams. This is also a big game for Artie Burns, who's coming back from a groin injury, and he has practiced this week in somewhat limited fashion. But Pete Carroll said he's going to be good to go for this game. And he had a great start to training camp. He and Sidney Jones were the two starters. And then he comes up lame in one and ones And we know what happened with Tariq Woolen. Avatar has been phenomenal the last couple of weeks at that right cornerback spot. Sidney Jones is not going to play in this game. So Artie Burns, I would anticipate, is going to be playing left corner. And Tariq Woolen is going to be the starter on the right side. And this is a chance for Artie Burns to try to push himself back into the conversations as starter because it feels like, unfortunately, missing a couple of weeks and seeing what Tariq Woolen has done maybe has put him in a spot where he's not going to be a starter if Sidney Jones is healthy in week one.
1: Yeah, this, this third preseason game, I, I know with a new era of Seahawks football, that this is the most uh, intriguing and with, I think, the, mo- the most jobs up for grabs in the last preseason game I've ever seen in the Pete Carroll era. Um, some of that is, you know, due to the, the high turnover and um, a lot of that you know, with injuries and, and some unknowns. But, yeah, and, and Artie Burns is one of those guys that, that we haven't gotten a great look at. He did have a great start to, to the camp, um, just haven't haven't been able to put it together in a preseason game yet. And, again, facing the Dallas twos, threes, and fours, we'll see if how much that sways the coaches either way and, and who starts and who doesn't. Um, but, again, another guy that you just like to get back on the field. And, and certainly, I- even if he's not a starter – Artie Burns is certainly a guy that's going to be probably on the roster and, and contributing in, in depth and, and offering that experience. And it's another guy you just want on the football field. You want you want on your sidelines healthy. Um, he's a useful tool, and, yeah, he's, he's made some great plays in camp. You just hope it can translate to on the field and game day and, uh, this Friday.
0: I just posted a graphic here a moment ago. This is not a surprise because this game does not count. It is still an exhibition game. But there's a lot more players that are going to be held out of this preseason finale than are going to be suiting up. So while D. Eskridge and Artie Burns are expected to play tomorrow, you're going to have Marquise Goodwin, Ryan Neal. Rashad Penny tested positive for COVID, even though he doesn't really have any symptoms to go with it. He's away from the team right now. He'll be ready, obviously, for week one. But he was not going to play in this game anyway, even if he's healthy. You're keeping him in bubble wrap with Ken Walker III's injury situation. He would not have played in this game anyway. But those three are going to be out. Tyreek Smith is still trying to make it back from a hip injury. Pete Carroll was non-committal about whether or not he's going to be ready for week one, but definitely not going to be playing tomorrow. And that leads me to maybe the biggest question mark here. LJ Collier. We've had a lot of discuss, discussion about where he fits on the Seahawks roster. Miles Adams has been so darn impressive at the preseason. And Carroll today was still mom on whether or not Collier was going to be able to play. This is just the way that I'm taking it. I could be wrong. These press conferences, sometimes it's tough to read coaches. But based on what Clint Hurt said yesterday and just the tone that Pete Carroll has had the last couple of times he's been asked about LJ Collier, it almost feels like a situation where even if he plays – tomorrow they might already have made a decision there with just how much they are gushing over the play of Miles Adams and he has earned that praise with how he has played but if he's going to have any chance of making this team you'd think he's got to be on the field tomorrow and yet it looks
1: like there's a possibility he won't be playing in this game yeah that's a pretty precarious situation is is uh if he doesn't play he's most definitely cut I think and if he even if he does play there's still a decent chance he's cut. That's kind of that's kind of a crappy situation for him, um, but that's just a testament to Miles Adams and what he's done, and the the impressions he's left on the coaching staff, and yeah, just a bummer um, overall. You know, with the situation with L.J. Collier, and, and he puts the coaches in a position where look, you know, he's the first round pick, and it's kind of egg on the face of the coaches if they do cut him, but you know, you got to go with the guy that not only has played better, but has been available. You now we we say all the time the best av- best ability is availability. And LJ Collier just has not been available, and when he has been, he's been healthy scratches, and he's he's not really fit. And I know with the new defensive scheme, there was some hope that he would, um, but with Miles Adams' rise and his unavailability, it might come down to a pretty easy decision, I, I think, in, in in the next couple of days. Um, but certainly, if he doesn't play, I think it's a no-brainer. If he does play, you know, he's obviously going to need to to produce and have a, a darn good football game. Uh, maybe you know sack or two at least to at least put himself back on the map because I, I really think he is absolutely behind the eighth ball if he plays or not.
0: Yeah, it really does feel that way based on the body language and the things that are being said by coaches. It's not not a lot of praise for him, and it's tough because he has been injured. He's dealing with that elbow issue. He did practice some this week, so we'll see. Maybe he'll go out there, but you eventually, Pete Carroll's philosophy, I don't care when you were drafted. They want the best players out there and with the way the last couple seasons have transpired with LJ Collier, he didn't have that great camp, in part because of injuries that they were hoping he would have. So now it really feels like he is on the roster brink. There's no question about it. Coming up next, the Seahawks rookie class. That's part of the reason some of these veterans are feeling a little bit of a squeeze, because this rookie class has been darn impressive here in this first month of their NFL careers. A number of them with a chance to start. We're going to take a look at what those players are going to be playing for in this preseason finale and why Seattle looks to be ahead of the curve with their youth movement. We'll be breaking that all down here in a moment. When I proposed to my wife at Cannon Beach on the Oregon coast, I bobbled the ring as I pulled it out of the box. This is a true story. Nearly dropped it into the Pacific Ocean off of a rock. It nearly became a life-altering, incredibly expensive disaster with several onlookers able to watch on a crowded tourist destination. Here's the lesson for you. You don't want to be that guy. I almost was. And you certainly don't want it splattered all over the internet. I probably would have been. There were people with cameras out there. The guys at Code Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of the ring if you're an idiot and you drop it into the water like I almost did. No matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it, go to bright.com forward slash locked on it's the fastest easiest and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business you're listening to the locked on seahawks podcast thursday edition i'm your host corbin smith joining me for today's show nick lee thanks as always to all the 12s out there for making locked on seahawks your first listen Five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview. It's going to be starting soon on August 31st. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team of experts here on the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders will be combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Again, that starts August 31st. Search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pete Carroll said it perfectly today after the walkthrough, and everybody that has watched preseason games and knows how training camp and the preseason work in general, this is mostly about the young guys. You've got your bubble veterans as well, but this is catered to your rookies, your second-year players, your third-year players, the young players in the league to get experience against other NFL competition. That's certainly going to be the case in tomorrow's preseason finale for the Seahawks when they travel to Dallas to face the Cowboys. And Carroll summed it up perfectly, that this is going to be a game, quote from Pete Carroll here, it is a focal opportunity for the young guys. And we want to make sure we see them do everything that they are capable of doing and see where they fit. That could never be more true when you look at just how impressive this 2022 draft class has been for the Seahawks. And there was a lot of pressure on this group. I mean, you got Russell Wilson in Denver, Bobby Wagner's now in L.A., two future Hall of Famers no longer on the roster. There's a lot of pressure on this young group of players to come in and immediately contribute, and somehow, Nick, it feels like they have blown those expectations out of the water when you just consider that they're probably going to have at least three players, three rookies starting for them in week one on offense or defense, and a number of others that are going to be playing key snaps as rotational players and on special teams it really has been one of those rare instances where a group has truly lived up. In fact, exceeded the hype and it's early still, but there's no question this group has really answered the call here and they have been great this month.
1: Yeah. Honestly, with this being a a transitional year in the franchise, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. This was the best case scenario that this draft class took hold of multiple starting positions. And I think we both agreed that if the both tackle positions were solidified by Abe Lucas on the right and Charles Cross on the left, starting from day one and having that, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. We've already seen a few, five on Charles Cross's part with penalties. Um, and, and Abe Lucas, I think, has been even better in some cases, which I think is good and bad, but mostly good. Um, with those two starting as as your you tackles, you're talking about your starting tackles for four or five plus years at least. Man that that's you you got you got the groundwork when you find your future quarterback hopefully next year in the draft you already have two tackles who have hopefully a year of starting experience under their belts and they'll be just progressing even more. So those two tackles of course Charles Cross and, and Abe Lucas will be day one starters which I think was was the the best case scenario on, on their part. And also Tariq Woolen I think is one that really has has exploded and and taken this this opportunity and 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 blown those expectations out of the water, like you said, because we both agreed. Man, as far as ceiling, he had one of the highest ceilings—not of this class, of the, the Seahawks class, but the class of the entire NFL draft, 2022. Just with his physical traits, his freak athleticism, size, all that stuff. And yes, he has some work to do tackling, but we've already seen some improvement. That's that's yeah. the cool thing. In just a week we I mean that 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 first game on sat that first game against the Steelers man that's going to be a long row you know he missed a few tackles and then boom he stuck his nose in there against the Bears and and made a few tackles and clearly he in the interview after the game he clearly wants to get better there and has that that drive that desire to be in run support and be a good tackler so Tariq Woolen i think is another one you know maybe another day one starter i think that's the assumption the third day one starter on this class Holy cow, he, he has really come into his own. And, yeah, there's going to be some some growing pain still. But if you can learn on the fly and, and, and with his athleticism, sometimes he can might might make a mistake, but he can just get by with his speed and his size and athleticism and kind of make up for some of the warts he has in his game. But, yeah, you got Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, and Tariq Woolen, three day one starters right there. Holy cow, and, and plenty of others to work with. I'd
0: be really surprised if those three are not starting against the Denver Broncos. I think Woolen of those three is the one that maybe there's a chance Seattle decides, you know what, Russell Wilson is a quarterback for the Broncos. We don't want to throw a rookie into the fire week one, so let's go with Artie Burton and Sidney Jones. I suppose that's still a possibility, but I just don't know how you can keep him off the field at this point with how well he's played. And as you mentioned, something I touched on in an episode earlier this week, Pete Carroll could not have asked for a better response to the first sign of adversity from Tariq Woolen than what he got from the first preseason game to the second preseason game, going out there, getting targeted three times, doesn't give up a catch, had two really nice tackles. One of them stopped a touchdown, just threw the guy to the ground, major improvement there. And oh, by the way, the play that Clint Hurt was talking about, and it was an incredible one. Justin Fields is a phenomenal athlete, a quarterback, and, Shariq Woolen, you could see that 4 2 speed chasing him down behind the pocket and just incredible speed, recovery, you name it. The guy has everything working for him from an athleticism standpoint. So I just, I think those three are going to start in week one, the tackles especially. I think at this point, Abraham Lucas, we'll see where things stand tomorrow. Maybe Jake Curhan's still in that race, but it feels like That one is pretty much decided in my mind. Maybe tomorrow night changes that a little bit. But Charles Cross has been the left tackle, the starting left tackle, since he became the number nine pick and he shook Roger Goodell's hand on stage in April. So those two are going to be starters. Three of your nine draft picks are going to be starting. And for the most part, they earned those jobs. I mean, Jake Curhan has played really well. It's just you can't deny the athleticism and just how well Abraham Lucas has played in the run game. And Artie Burns was playing well. Sidney Jones was playing well. Those guys got banged up a little bit, though. And Tariq woolen has been one of the best defensive players for the Seahawks throughout training camp in the preseason. I just don't know how Pete Carroll's going to resist that, I, you know, playing him. He's going to have to get him on the field. So I just think, you know, you look at this. This is the way that I view it right now. Expected day one starters, Cross, Lucas, Woolen, And then you've got Kenneth Walker third, who was really impressive, getting him back healthy from his hernia procedure. Kobe Bryant could be your starter in the slot corner role in week one. You could feasibly have four starters from your rookie class, and he will have to beat out Justin Coleman to do it, but I think he's neck and neck with him right now. Boy, Mafe is not ready to be a starter, but he can be a real pain for tackles as a situational pass rusher, get him back from a little bit of a shoulder bump that he's got going on right now. He's got a chance to get a bunch of sacks. And then Dariq Young and Bo Melton, particularly Young, Young to me has got a spot on this roster. Melton is kind of on the fringe right now, but they have both shown flashes. Melton has come on as of the last week or so playing a lot better. There's only one rookie off their draft class that is not on this chart for expected starters or immediate contributors. And honestly, Nick, Tyreek Smith and the two practices he's played in, Looked fantastic. Had four pressures during team drills, but he's been banged up. So this entire draft class has made a positive impression. Smith just hasn't been out there enough to really show what he can do. They're hoping to get him back. He's not going to play this week, but they're hoping he'll be available in week one. That draft class, eight guys right there potentially that could be on your roster in week one. I would be stunned if there's anything less than seven of those nine players. And they're all going to play significant snaps. So this truly shows that this class has not only lived up to the hype, it's exceeded so far, and they are ahead of the curve where they expected to be with this youth movement, with those guys all going out and winning these roster spots.
1: And last month, I think it was last month we talked about how this, there's some similarities to this class and perhaps the 2012 class, just with the, uh, the, the contributions that they could be make or that could be made early. Now, obviously there's a couple of hall of famers in that class. Um, but are, I, I really think that there's there's a chance that this, this whole rookie class, maybe minus Tyreek Smith, um, you'd like to see him a bit more on the field, can be huge contributors all year long. And, and again, like I said, this year is all about building the core and strengthening the core around your future quarterback, which I truly believe with my whole heart of hearts is not on the roster yet. He's in college somewhere. I don't know which college it is. Um, but this is the year where you find the guys, you find the corners, the tackles, the running back, and you know the the I'll the build the pieces around your future quarterback because he's going to come in as a rookie next year. And if you can establish six, seven, eight positions that were that are only second year guys still in those rookie contracts that are significant contributors and above average NFL players, holy cow, that's a recipe that many have used to make a Super Bowl run. And I know it's getting crazy, but we've seen that happen time and time again. Seahawks in 2013, they made they made a really good run. They got a couple good guys on some rookie contracts and made a real big run at it. That is a formula that has worked in the past. So this is a good foundation to get these guys contributing early, and we'll see where the chips fall when the the season ends and just how much they contributed.
0: Yeah, and this really is the formula. It's following the formula we saw in 2011 and 2012 with the Seahawks where success, and we talked about this in an earlier episode before training camp, success for this team might not necessarily be the win-loss record. It is how these young players contribute early and how they develop throughout the rookie season and set the stage for next year Pete Carroll's not going to be looking at it that way at least publicly he wants to win games he wants to be competitive but if you win six seven games even five games this year but you have five six seven rookies that make a major impact and you have a number of them that are starters the entire season and get better uh that is a big win for you going into the 2023 season and so I can't say enough. This preseason finale, again, it's a preseason game. It's just a dress rehearsal. But for these rookies, it's still extremely important. Tariq Woolen's trying to lock up a starting job. Abe Lucas is trying to lock up a starting job. Uh, Kobe Bryant, he and Justin Coleman right now are head-to-head in that slot corner spot. Kobe Bryant wants another really good game. So he forces Pete Carroll's hand, and he gets in the lineup. Tariq Young, you want to make sure you've got a roster spot. Same thing for Bo Melton. Make some plays on special teams, too really enhances both their chances making this football team. You won't see Ken Walker, the third, and probably not boy in this game, but both those guys when they're healthy are going to be in this roster. They're going to play a significant number of snaps in reserve roles. So again, a lot to be excited about. And the rookies that can play tomorrow are going to have a real chance to really solidify their standing, not just being on this roster, but playing a lot of snaps for the Seahawks. And that's a really exciting development going into a new era of football here. In the Pacific Northwest. Up next, we've got this preseason finale coming up. Nick and I are going to be diving into what to watch at Jerry World, what fans should be watching on offense, defense, and of course, special teams. We'll get to that here in a moment. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. Nick, you were one of them. LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job posted minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame. To your LinkedIn profile, spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash nfl That's linkedin.com slash nfl to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And it's fantasy draft week on the Locked On Podcast Network. So go make Locked On Fantasy Football your second listen. Fantasy expert Vinny Iyer brings over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. And a little bit of a programming note for our Locked On listeners. We are going to be diving into fantasy football too. Nick Lee tomorrow going to have our first fantasy friday dropping it'll be coming up on youtube first tomorrow morning and then we'll have it available on all of our other major platforms but you are going to be doing that once a week on friday dishing out your fantasy tips and since we're getting close to the season what better time to have your first episode
1: yeah looking forward to it uh the next, first episode is going to be draft strategy so if you haven't had your draft yet get in there and uh listen up and hopefully I can, I can be a contributor and, and give you a solid foundation. I'm not, it's not, it's not a perfect science, but I'm going to do my darndest to, to set you up for success.
0: So we got that coming up tomorrow. There's also going to be a post game show after Seahawks Cowboys. I'll be taking the wheel on that one, breaking down everything that happens in Dallas in that exhibition finale. Speaking of that final preseason game, Nick, it's less than 24 hours away, and I know it doesn't count in the standings, but there's a lot at stake for this Seahawks team, a number of players battling for a handful of roster spots. you still got a quarterback competition that's undecided. So I think when we're looking at what to watch in this game, it's going to continue to be the number one storyline. But I want to take it from this angle, because Pete Carroll's been asked this question several times this week. And he's kind of walked around it a little bit. You know how coach speak works, keeping the door open for Drew lock. But the real question is, can drew lock actually turn this back into a legitimate competition and put himself in position to win this job for week one after everything that transpired the last week. Can he actually do that when he's not getting the start tomorrow in Dallas?
1: Yeah, that certainly raised my eyebrows that, uh, that Geno Smith is going to get in the start, so to speak. And, I'm just a little frustrated, honestly, with the lack of opportunity that, Gene, that uh, drew luck has had with the ones it's one thing to play the entire game tomorrow or almost the entire game. You know, maybe Gino Smith plays a, a couple series and that's it. But even then, you know, Gino or drew locks, not going to be tossing to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. He's not going to be out there tossing to Noah Fant, handing it off to Rashad Penny. He's going to do none of that. And I know he's been doing a little bit of that in practice, but not enough. Um, Pete Carroll made it sound like, oh, yeah, he's only just a few reps behind Geno Smith with the one. I, I disagree. Um, it, it's it's more about what happens in the game. So can he make it more interesting? Sure. He can make uh, the fans a bit more angry <laughs> at, at, uh, at what's been going on at the VMAC as far as decision-making is going. It is going to come with a bit of an asterisk. I, I, it's, there's no way to really draw it around. I mean, it's not like Dallas is going to be rolling out there with Leighton Vander Esch and Mike, Micah Parsons and all those guys. That's not going to happen. So even if he does light it up for let's say I don't know 22 for 28 for 280 yards and three scores, it's going to be boop, asterisk. You know that you do that. Congratulations, you do that against the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. And uh, I don't know what I said for the Steelers again. The future substitute teachers of uh, of Arlington or whatever. You know, <laughs> um, just and there's going to be that asterisk. That question mark is sure. Yeah, you lit it up, but against who? You know. So he's Drew Locke is kind of in that precarious situation where, yeah, he he could ball out, but against who? So I'm a little frustrated that it's and part of it's not fair with his COVID situation. So can he make it interesting again? I guess the long answer is yes, he can. Maybe so much for the fans, maybe not as much for the coaches who I think have kind of half made their decision already, but certainly for the fans.
0: Yeah, I think if there was only a one-week buffer between the preseason finale and week one like there traditionally was until a couple of years ago when they changed the schedule to just three preseason games, I'd probably be saying no on this just because he got dealt such a bad hand having COVID last week and not getting to start that game or play in that game at all against the Chicago Bears. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be challenging for him to do it. I think yes, with some caveats mixed in. I think Geno Smith's going to have to lay an egg. And Drew Locke is just going to have to light the world on fire to really make Pete Carroll reconsider his stance. Because it really seems like, to me, everything that Pete Carroll's been saying, it's really been his way all training camp and really in the offseason program. It has seemed to me like Geno Smith, they have wanted him to win that job. And, you know, if Drew Locke's going to win it, he's going to have to outright earn it. And he's had some circumstances that made it difficult for him to do that. So, yes, he can win it. It really feels like, though, that, this is 95% decided at this point and that Geno Smith is going to be your start of week one. That doesn't mean Drew Locke could start later in the year. That's certainly possible. But it really feels like Geno is going to be going up against Russell Wilson in week one. And that leads into another storyline here. Really, these two go hand in hand because Geno Smith has been much better than his numbers indicate in the preseason. But darn it, his receivers just have not been helping him, whether it's Freddie Swain's crucial third-round drop a third down drop in that first quarter, first drive against the bears last week. You had drops from Bo Melton. Tariq Young dropped the pass in the red zone. He has not gotten help from his receivers or his tight ends consistently in these preseason games. And you haven't had Metcalf and Lockett really playing any snaps, not surprising there. So who's going to step up? Is it going to be D Eskridge? We talked about this is a big game for him to show, Hey, I'm still here. I can still be an impact performer as that number three receiver or Freddie Swain who has not had a good training camp and I think is squarely on the bubble to make this football team. You want to keep your spot? Go show that you are one of the best 53 players because to me, I have not seen that in training camp in the preseason. Somebody like, say, Kate Johnson, who had that muff punt but looked good at receiver. Hey, maybe there's a chance you can still play your way into this discussion. Petty Hart, this is a big game for the veteran to try to keep his roster spot. All those guys that I'm rattling off these names for, Dariq Young, have another big game Young guy, go out there and play well and secure that roster spot. Somebody has got to rise to the occasion to help Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Who's it going to be? I'm going to have my eyes on a lot of those receivers because I don't expect to see much of DK or Tyler Lockett again in this game. So it's going to boil down to those players making plays and the Seahawks are going to score points.
1: Hashtag feed Kevin Cassis now. <laughs> um, hey, he's an ADC throw
0: in there too. He looked like Wes
1: Welker yeah, last He week. did. Yeah, he looked like, you know insert really, really good white slot receiver, (laughs) but that's how it is. And you know what? That's fair because that's kind of what it is. Um, and I I was impressed by what he's doing. Um, but with, with the receivers, it's going to be a, DS bridge. I'm hoping it's a DS bridge. Hey, remember me kind of game moments again. I know it's two and threes and fours in, in Dallas, not necessarily, you know, lighting the world on fire and not, not facing the best of the best, but, I think it's it's gonna be a chance for him to to say, Hey, remember me? You know, I, I was a second round pick a couple years ago. I'm kind of fast. Maybe that I'm hoping that kind of turns up. For Darique Young, I, I think he's pretty much made this roster, but I'd, I'd like to see just a couple more like wow plays. Like with me and, and Rob at your wedding watching the watching the game in the corner there. We what we saw play, dang, that's Derek Young. Big kid. Good play. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping we have a bit more of that. Bo Melton, hang on to the football, man. Because I, I think Bo Melton really is part, can be part of this roster, and, and they might try to sneak him on the practice squad. But if he has a big game and doesn't have any drops, might make this, their decision a bit harder there. But, yeah, as far as what I'm hoping to see, I'd love to see D.S. Chris get five, six, seven targets just to get him in there, get him involved, and show off that speed. And uh, Penny Hart, yeah, another one. And, and like you mentioned, Kate Johnson, trying to make up for that muff pun. Because uh, it's real bummer, because other than that, Johnson's had a pretty solid camp um, and pretty solid preseason. But, yeah, um, lots, of, lots of opportunity there, especially with the ones not playing and, and Drew Locke. You know, these are the guys that Drew Locke has been throwing to most of camp, so <laughs> um, there should be some chemistry there. But, yeah, there, there's definitely some guys that can step up. Let's go to the defensive side of the football because we
0: already touched on the right tackle situation. Now, maybe Jake Curran will get some reps there tomorrow, but it really does feel like Abe Lucas has secured that job. Tomorrow will be revealing if he starts the game, he's been with the first team all week at practice, and he gets a few series or whatever, comes out of the game, and then maybe they put Kurhan in or Forsyth in at right tackle. We'll see what they end up choosing to do, but it feels like that job belongs to him. I do think there are some questions to look at that aren't even roster-related necessarily on the defensive side of the football. Is somebody going to make a tackle for this football team? Because the first two preseason games, that has been a disaster. I did think they were better in this second preseason game against the Chicago Bears. They were able to clean things up a little bit. It was another reason that Joel E.A. Booneyway was released. There was a little bit of a message there to the veterans and the rookies. You don't make your plays on special teams. You miss a bunch of tackles. There's not going to be a spot for you on this roster. So they really prioritized that in practice this week. They got the gymnastic map back out. The real question is, is that going to show on the field, particularly with your linebackers and your secondary players? Marquise Blair, I'm calling you out again. The guy's got a lot of talent, but wrap up. Don't just try to knock people over with a Madden hit stick every time. You're 195 pounds soaking wet. Yes, you can smack people, but wrap up. And there's a number of other players I could be calling out on that as well. That is going to be crucial. Some of these guys that are on the roster bubble, like you want to make sure you're on this team go out and show that you can adapt and make plays, get the ball carrier to the ground when that's been such a struggle, these first two preseason games. And I think that's something that will potentially impact who gets those last three, four or five spots on this
1: roster. Yeah. I mean, you heard Pete Carroll's comments out of the game. Like, yeah, with the surprising cut of Ian Boonaway, not going to tackle, not going to be here. And that's, that's kind of how it's been. And uh, I think this game is going to be another development in that story is, is, who benefited from this week of practice where there has been a prioritization of practice and, and or I'm sorry, of tackling. Um, Cause you got to tackle to play football and you, and you got to tackle to play defense. The Seahawks have not done that on defense, on special teams. Um, and, and also speaking of defense with, with the nickel, nickel, the, the slot corner, um, Justin Coleman, I think we kind of assumed maybe too much that he was coming in and just going to roll his helmet out there and be the starting slot corner. Um, Kobe Bryant has been a nice development there. He's shown his versatility, his willingness to 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 play a different spot or play you know bounce around to different different spots. and uh, he has a chance to I think challenge for the starting starting spot another Marquise Blair position that you know if, if Kobe Bryant develops and, and becomes maybe if at worst the number two slot corner that become, that makes Marquise Blair that much more expendable. Um, so the, the the slot corner position I think is another one to look for. Um, you know who who gets the snaps and, and Justin Coleman, between Justin Coleman and and Kobe Bryant. I, I would love to have Kobe Bryant kind of develop into that. At least for now, I do think I, he is a outside corner in the future. But having him start Week One as a slot corner just to get his feet wet and 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 his you know his NFL you know cut his teeth in the NFL a little bit. That that could be a huge a huge benefit down the road.
0: I think the best secondary that they have right now, and maybe it's not in Week One, but early in the season. Features the two rookies, and it's with Kobe Bryant playing in the slot. Because I think Sidney Jones is going to be your left corner. He had a really good camp going before he got the concussion, and I think they've just been really cautious with that. They're like, we're not going to throw you out in a preseason game. He'll be ready for week one. Artie Burns gives them another veteran that really knows the, key, the scheme, the coverages inside out. So they've got the depth. Mike Jackson's had a really good camp as well. He might still be in the mix for one of those starting spots too. I mean, that's a good problem to have. They've got a lot of depth and a lot of players that have really ascended this training camp of preseason that have played at a high level. But that slot corner position, Justin Coleman going back to number 28 after the Ugo Amati trade, that kind of signaled to me, you know what? Coleman's expecting he's going to be here. The Seahawks expect he's going to be here. Maybe he's your guy the first few weeks of the season, but Bryant's looked really impressive in that position. And you want to get your rookies out there when you have a youth movement, like we just talked about, you want to get as many of those guys reps as you can while also staying competitive. And Kobe Bryant has not backed down from any challenge. The red Mamba had never played any slot corner before, at least that's what he told reporters a week ago. And yet he looked natural playing there in that game against the Bears had a pass breakup in the end zone as well. So I think you add in the way that he's adapted, how quickly he's adjusted stuff, then that certainly gives him an opportunity to unseat Justin Coleman. That is going to be something to watch. And I think the last big focal point going to this game, it's the final preseason game. Is there going to be an undrafted rookie that is going to rise to the occasion, especially with the struggles there's been on special teams? Is one of those guys going to make one last statement, an emphatic one of the coaching staff? I belong on this team because – I don't know necessarily there's an undrafted player that has a chance to make this team right now
1: where things stand. Yeah. You might have Vi Jones in there with the lack of depth at linebacker, but um, certainly not, you know, it depending on how it works out, it might make the team by default with some of the, some of the lack of linebacker depth. Um, but yeah. Joey, Joey Blunt's made some good plays at, uh, in the special teams, Deontay Williams, Scott Nelson's in there. Someone's got, someone's got a tackle on special teams somewhere because it has been, pretty darn brutal to watch. And especially it came to a head against Chicago. Um, again, it's going to be who can make tackles. Who's going to be willing to, to, to stick their nose in there. And, you know, Pete Carroll loves the courage. You know, he, he, he pounds the table about courage. Who's going to have the courage to make that big hit, make that big play in special teams. Because if, if you pay your dues on special teams, especially as an undrafted guy, or as a young guy, that that's how you get the good graces of a guy like Pete Carroll and making a, making a big play. Maybe someone, just it takes the takes the teaching to heart of this past week and flies down on kickoff or flies down on punt and forces a fumble, you know, who knows? Um, but it's, it's got to come down to who's going to make a play. Who's going to have the courage to, to make that hit. I, again, I, I agree. I'm not sure there's a huge chance for a ton of guys to make the team Vi Jones. I think might have the best chance um, as far as the undrafted guys, but um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, who wants to make a play, who wants to show some courage and and uh, stick their nose in there in special teams.
0: Yeah, I think Vi Jones right now is the front runner, and I wouldn't necessarily say that he is on the 53 right now. But if he has a big final preseason game and he makes some nice plays in special teams, Pete Carroll is looking for some young guys that not only play hard in special teams but can handle their assignments because that's been a big issue is getting out of their lanes and not having assignment integrity It's another reason that they're releasing some of these veterans that are a little bit of a surprise. They want guys that are going to do their assignment and they're going to learn from mistakes. And this is a kid that plays fast, plays hard. I think Joey Blunt is another one to watch kind of close to. He recovered the onside kick last week. And you know, if Marquise Blair isn't going to go out there and make plays to show, Hey, I belong on this football team. Then maybe you do roll with an undrafted rookie as one of your backups, especially with Ryan Neal still not 100% from his high ankle sprain. So Those would be a few names to watch. There's some other undrafted rookies that will have a chance to maybe stake a claim, but it just doesn't seem like there's – because you have nine rookies coming in, they still think Tyreek Smith's going to be an impact player eventually. Those guys are eating up nine roster spots, and a lot of them are going to be playing significant snaps, so it's going to be much tougher for an undrafted player to make it, but you play one special teams tomorrow. You really enhance your chances of at least getting a practice squad spot, if not surprising – and stealing one of those 53 man spots heading into the regular season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we've got two shows coming for the price of one admission. We've got Nick's Fantasy Football Show, first episode coming tomorrow morning, and then after the preseason game in Dallas, I'll have a post-game show breaking down all the key takeaways from Jerry World. You won't want to miss either show. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.